Welcome everybody, I'm Richard Krause coming to you from Isolation Studios in beautiful but strangely empty downtown Toronto. Actually, it's my home office, but like most everybody else, I'm self-isolating in these very odd times. With no movies to review and my television show Pop Life on hiatus, I'm finding things to keep myself busy. And today I spent a big chunk of the day going through cupboards, finding discs of unlabeled photographs and other little bits and pieces that have been piling up in the nooks and crannies of the house. And I came across a set of interviews I did at a rather loud party at the Tavern on the Green in New York City in 2009 to celebrate the 70th anniversary of the release of The Wizard of Oz. I mixed and mingled with some of the original munchkins like Carl Slover, who was just two feet tall when he played the first trumpeter, villager munchkin Ruth Duccini, member of the lollipop guild Jerry Marin, and Judy Garland's daughter Lorna Luft, all the while enjoying Wizard of Oz themed drinks like the Gin Tornado. Mostly though, I just soaked up the stories from some of the folks who were there when Judy Garland was swept away to a Technicolor Oz. Some guy came backstage and says, says we're doing a movie in Los Angeles called The Wizard of Oz and it requires a lot of singing and dancing by little people and I know you can sing and dance or you'd be perfect. Are you willing to go with us? I said, yes, yes, yes. My father um, always told us the story of when he realized the difference between fantasy and reality. And he was about five years old during the, the making of the film. And he was um, skipping down the yellow brick road. And he ran into the back of the set and hit his head. And she told me how the hardest thing for her about the film was being afraid of Margaret Hamilton. Because she was a lovely woman and very sweet. And I did know Margaret Hamilton later in life. And she was a really, really lovely woman. The thing I remember most is when the witch disappeared. That's how the hell did she do it, you know? I was talking to somebody and she was gone. She told me that the dog did unfortunately have the worst breath. They really had to laugh because it was wonderful to see apple trees, actually, the trees moving and making all these faces, you know. <laughs> really wonderful, yeah. <laughs> to think that 1939, of course, was the greatest year for films ever, but to think that Gone with the Wind and this film were both by the same director is extraordinary. When Zoe Deschanel was just two years old, she watched The Wizard of Oz every single day. I had a hard time understanding that I couldn't go into the film, she says, because it felt so real to me. And she's not alone. It's one of the most watched and universally adored Hollywood films ever, and the L. Frank Baum book it's based on has been called America's Greatest and Best Loved Homegrown Fairy Tale. We always say the age range for The Wizard of Oz is from fetal to fatal, jokes Oz expert John Fricke. And according to the wonderful Wiki of Oz, there are dozens of movies featuring Dorothy, Toto, and friends dating back almost to the turn of the last century, but the classic is 1939's The Wizard of Oz, starring Judy Garland, and that's the film we'll have a look at today. Yellow Brick Road. Follow the Yellow Brick Road. Follow the First, though, what's it all about? Inquirer television writer Lee Winfrey wrote a famous satirical synopsis that went like this. Transported to a surreal landscape, a young girl kills the first person she meets and then teams up with three strangers to kill again. 
More traditionally, I'd have to say it's the story of Dorothy Gale, swept away in a tornado from a farm in Kansas to the magical land of Oz. There, she embarks on a quest with her new friends to see if the all-powerful Oz can help her return and help her friends find what they're looking for, a brain, a heart, and courage. Now what follows isn't a making of The Wizard of Oz or an expose. We don't talk about the rumors that an actor who played a munchkin hanged himself on set where the garland was molested by munchkins. Just two of the many debunked rumors that swirl around this movie like a giant tornado. So enough of that stuff online. Nope, here we'll just hear about a film that people still watch and love 81 years after its release. Toto? feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. First up, let's hear my interview with singer and actress Lorna Luft, who begins by talking about how much her mother, that's Judy Garland, enjoyed making The Wizard of Oz. She loved making this film. She, she loved making the film because it was the film that really launched her into that real world of being a box office movie star. She had done movies for MGM before this, but this was the movie that she knew was going to catapult her into everyone's home. And it did. And she also knew that they had offered it to Shirley Temple, because that's a true story. But thank God Fox wouldn't let her out of the contract. She couldn't sing as good as my mother. <laughs> so, else we all probably, we may not have be sitting here today. Um, it would have been a different movie. And if they'd had the original cast, you know, if Buddy Ebsen had been the If he hadn't been allergic to the paint. Right, right. So, you, when you think of it, and the four directors on the film, and all of the writers, and all that, I mean, the movie was plagued with all sorts of problems and when you really look at it you think to yourself my god they've made this perf perfect film out of a movie that could have been imperfect do you remember stories that your mom would tell you about the making of this film that you could share with us yeah but i mean she didn't go into stories about the making she wouldn't would go into stories about what she was going through on the film which was funny and she told me how the hardest thing for her about the film was being afraid of Margaret Hamilton because she was a lovely woman and very sweet and I did know Margaret Hamilton later in life and she was a really really lovely woman she told me that the dog did unfortunately have the worst breath <laughs> and um, she told me that you know that she had a great time working on this movie was special for her she loved this movie and was it the material, or was it the people, or was it the, just uh, the whole experience? Well, it was an incredible experience. It had four directors, and it had lots of people. The scripts were rewritten and all of that. So it was, of course, it was difficult because anytime something is changed, and they would change her look, and they would change all of that about the film. But it was, in the end, she had great friendships. I mean, she, she, she had her great friendships. With, with Ray Bolger and Jack Haley and Bert Lahr. And she had fantastic, that, that went on to, to, with her, not only from her childhood, but until she was an adult. What's it like for you uh, to watch the film now? It's great. Yeah, it terrified me at first when I was a kid. Uh, and it was called Take a Ticket, Stand in Line. Terrified a lot of people. Um, but it did. It, it, it was frightening at first. And I've never thought of The Wizard of Oz as a children's film. 
I think that, I think you have to be very careful, you know, because Margaret's very frightening, and the monkeys and all of that. The monkeys. Yeah, the monkeys. I know. I know. People have a lasting image of how it scared them, and how it also made them cry, and how it, you know. But it's the honest. It's the message, and it's it's the acting. And it's that the honesty of the film, that's why it's lasted so long. Was Is it true that the first time you saw this, you uh, your mother was in L.A., you were no. in New York? No, opposite. Opposite. I was in L.A., she was in New York. And you were terrified. Terrified. And I, and I couldn't understand any of this. And when she called me on the phone, I said that the monkeys had taken her to New York. <laughs> and I was hysterical. <laughs> and she said, you'll never watch the movie without her. And I didn't. I just wonder, I mean... You're in such a unique position because most of us don't have, you know, an archive of our parents. Mm. And this is what I wonder. This is like, does it make you happy? A little sad? A little? Is there is there some sort of nostalgia? What 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 is it like to be able to look back and see your mother grow up on screen and see and and have? But I don't look back because that's I've grown up with this. That's my normal. So it's not like all of a sudden I have these rushing emotions throughout a day. I'm 56. I lit, I've grown up with this. I understand this now. I ex- I'm grateful. But it's taken me a long time because it takes one a long time to deal with their legacy. Because it, it casts such a long shadow? Is that uh, of course it does. Yeah. And I also understand that you don't sing somewhere over the rainbow. No. Can you tell me why? Why would I want to... I can't improve on perfection. But because it's too personal to me. And it's also... I'm never going to do it justice or any better. And so I think it's one of the songs that, for me, and as Oprah would say, this is just my opinion, should be left alone. So that's my opinion. But I know other artists have sung it, and it takes on a new meaning for them. And I know that it's one of Simon Cowell's favorite songs. And I'm glad, because it's a beautiful song. But it will always revert back to the original. And your mom loved singing it for audiences, I Oh, yes, she did. I mean, sometimes you hear that artists... uh, not resent their best-known work, but get tired of saying everything. But I guess she had an opposite opinion about it. No, this. she loved it. She also knew the audience loved it. And she gave 110% when she was out on the stage. Why wouldn't she? Barbara Walters asked her that in a, an interview once. I hear you're never going to sing that. And she said, who said that? Another singer? <laughs> Very funny. <laughs> Why do you think 70 years later we're still sitting here talking about it? I mean, what is it sort of specifically about the film that has brought people so? I think it's the simplicity of the message. I think it's because it's such a simple and honest message of home and heart, courage, and knowledge. That's what we all strive for. I mean, and when you think about it, every single politician talks about one of those subjects. They do. And when you think about all of the things that this movie says, well, why wouldn't it... And and the way that it was said and the, the, the way that the script was written and the music and the score and all of that 
that's why it is being talked about still today. In the interview, Lorna said that she never sings Somewhere Over the Rainbow, but in June 2016, for the 47th anniversary of Judy's death and the Stonewall Riots, she made news by singing her mother's signature song for the first time since her death, as a tribute to her mom and to the victims of Stonewall and those of the recent Orlando Massacre. Now let's hear from Wizard of Oz cast member Jerry Marin. He played the munchkin member of the Lollipop Guild who hands a lollipop to Dorothy. He begins the interview with the story of how he came to be cast in The Wizard of Oz. Well, I was doing an act with my dancing teachers called Three Steps in One Half. See, see, when we were in dancing school, they always did an act, you know, in New England. But this time the agent says, get something different, you know. So since I was in the school, they said, would you care to join us in the act? It's fine. So they incorporated me in certain areas. So we did an act called Three Steps in One Half. So it's as simple as that, you know. And the agent saw you perform. And somebody seen us perform. Well, I think it was in Ethel, Massachusetts, I think. I'm not sure where it was. Come, some guy came backstage and says, my name is so-and-so, and I don't even remember his name. He says, we're doing a movie in Los Angeles called The Wizard of Oz, and it requires a lot of singing and dancing by little people. And I know you can sing and dance, or you'd be perfect. Are you willing to go with us? I said, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> you want to be a movie star. So I did, and we met in, in Times Square, like they said, and we all got on the bus, and on the way for six days. So you went out, you went out to Hollywood by bus? By bus from New York. Follow the yellow brick road. 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 And was it all the people on the bus? Was it all? Yes, yeah. eventually, yes. Eventually, and well, what was Except for the driver. Uh, I, I imagine that it's the first time that you've been around uh, any large number of people. Oh, first time, is right. I was all excited. Yes. Now, tell me about what happened when you got to Hollywood. I've heard stories about uh, how, you know, there'd be uh, uh, 40 chairs, 40 makeup chairs set up in a row. And you'd have to oh, get there. yeah, they had to do that. Well, everybody had a time, you know. The lollipop kids and then the, 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 the soldiers and then the three little girls, the lullaby league and... Well, they had to look exactly the same every day. Right, right. That was the reason. And now, you didn't have any film experience at all? This was none none whatsoever. Yeah. He was a prof he was a, a dancer. A dancer, yeah. a matter of fact, he choreographed the little dance that he did himself. Was that right? Well, well, well the choreographer says, how would you do this? And I showed her, she said, do that, you know. So she agreed, and so we did it. They picked him to give Dorothy the lollipop ahead of time. And when they got to Culver City, they found two little guys approximately his size to be on each side of him. Yes. And that's, I mean, that's, that's, I mean, one of the memorable scenes of the film. Thank you. You're very kind to say that. And he's everywhere. Yes. Every time the director said, I need two munchkins, <laughs> I need three munchkins. And well, he's I was always. Because I wanted my mother to see me at least once, you know. And he's always, when you see him, I didn't know up about down, the, clapping I, his hands. I didn't and, know. And you see him here, and then he's there. Wait a minute. He runs into himself. 
Now, um, tell me a little bit, of, like, what do you remember about working with Judy Garland? Well, she was an absolute angel. She was an angel. It's all I can say about it. She was so lovely, you know. I mean, she didn't have too much to say because they grabbed after every scene and yeah, she was ruined the school, in you know. Right. Oh, of course, right. So she'd have to go for tutoring. And oh, yeah, they grabbed the school. She threw in any scene. And they practically told us to no uh, socializing right. because it took up the time. And and uh, LB May heard about that. He'd say, kill those fucking munchkins. Yeah. <laughs> you know, she was a valuable piece of property. When you think back, if you had to just tell me one thing that you can remember about the shooting in the movie, what would it be? Well, the thing I remember most is when the witch disappeared. I said, how the hell did she do it? You know, I was talking to somebody and she was gone. That's when they were testing the elevator down, you know, the shoot. So that's when how it happened. So that's what it was. What did you think when you first saw it? Because, you know, probably a year Oh, well, of course, because it was terrific, because we didn't see that. We didn't know anything about those other sequences, you know. We just knew about ours. But we loved it, because, well, this is a hell of a good movie. When you see the movie, how does it make you feel? I mean, how many times have you seen it? First? Oh, about 500. 500 times? <laughs> Well, approximately, you know. And so, after 500 viewings, how does it make you feel? Oh, very good, because it was a good movie, you know, and, and our stuff come over good, the stuff I did, you know. That was Jerry Marin, who, when he passed away in 2018 at age 98, was the last surviving Wizard of Oz member with a specifically identifiable speaking or singing role. Up next, Margaret Pellegrini, who played a sleepyhead flower pot in the film, Carl Stover, who had four roles in The Wizard of Oz, and Munchkin villager Ruth Duccini. Margaret kicks off this interview with a remembrance of Judy Garland. On a Christmas Eve morning, when she came to work that morning, when she came in, they gave her a pair of scissors and they told her to go over in the corner and cut that red ribbon. Well, you know, those days she got her own dressing room on wheels. And uh, so she went over and cut the ribbon, and we were all standing there, and we all went right behind her, and she opened up the door, and there she had her beautiful dressing room on wheels. And uh, she said, this is, uh, you know, whenever you get your own dressing room on wheels, then you're considered a really a star. And we were working with her, which we got so excited. And then she opened the door, and there she had a whole big stack of uh, eight by ten black and white pictures. And each, and she invited each of us to go through to see her new dressing room. And uh, she gave each of us a picture, and mine says, "From your pal." To Margaret, from your pal Judy, and I still have it today. You still have it, yeah. Yes, I do. Wow. And what what was your memory of working with Judy Garland? With uh, Judy Garland, well, she was actually she was only uh, nine, was it nineteen years old? Yeah. yeah she's just a, a young girl. Really. Yeah, she, a real nice young lady. Yeah, and uh, naturally, I didn't get to talk to her too much because she wanted to talk but the director called her over and says I gotta have to right now 
maybe later on you'll be able to take a chance to talk to them, right. which was all right. Even though I've met a lot of movie stars, and uh, they're really nice people. But you know, the doubles are the ones that stuck up. <laughs> the doubles, yeah. <laughs> when you look back on The Wizard of Oz now, or when you when you see it today, yeah. Um, can you uh, remember individual days of shooting, or you know, what what's your memory of it? Oh yeah, I can remember pretty good because. I've seen it quite a few times, and naturally it took quite a while for us to to be in the picture, you right. know, being that I had four parts in it. Right, right. And now, what were the four parts? Tell me just so that everybody knows. I was the first trumpeter right. in The Wizard of Oz, one of the soldiers, right. one of the sleepy heads coming out of the nest of eggs, <laughs> and also one of the ones that told Judy Garland, for following the yellow brick road. Right, right. But that one, one costume, as much as it was a beautiful costume, the trumpeters, but I used to hate it. Why? I tell you, the, the pants on there was tights. <laughs> and oh my gosh, tight to put it on, it was just like, ooh, you know, pull them up, then you take them off, you have to roll it down. Oh, I was so glad. I was so glad when the picture was over with, believe me. Even other than three years later, is actually when I actually got to see the picture. And I told my roommate, you know, even though I hated to be in the picture at the time on account of those tights, but I says, the picture, I believe, it's, it's going the picture is really going to go good because I don't hear any filthy language in it. I don't hear any swearing. I don't see no bikinis, no nudist colonies. And I think that is great that they don't have stuff like that in there. It's everybody can enjoy it. Ruth, how did you get involved with uh, The Wizard of Oz? Well, I grew up in a small town in Minnesota, and I didn't know there were other little people. And one of the fellows in town had a booth at the county fair, and the troop of uh, Grace and Harvey Williams were, were appearing there. So he took me to meet them, and I joined the troop. That was it. And what did you do in the troop? Sing and dance. You sing and dance. <laughs> I can't do either one. <laughs> well, you must have. You must be okay at them because you're in the movie and you you joined the troop. Well, I was in the movie because I was the right size, and that, that's all they wanted. <laughs> they didn't care. What, what do you remember from making the movie? Like seventy years ago. Uh, if, if you have to think back, what's the memory? I remember all the little people. That was that was so great. One hundred and twenty-three people that you could stand and talk to, not talking to a belly button. <laughs> Did it change your life a little bit? Did it change your, 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 your well, I, it's, it's changed my whole life. Yeah. Uh, I met my husband when I worked on The Wizard of Oz. He had worked at the Chicago World's Fair in, in Chicago in 33 and 34. And he, they had, MGM had set up a buffet restaurant for us to eat at. And Fred knew a lot of the other little people, so he came to visit, and that's when I met him. Wow. And you've been together ever since? Well, he is, he is alive now. We were married a little over 50 years. Wow. But uh, 
I have two children, four grandchildren, seven great. Do your kids and grandkids and great-grandkids watch The Wizard of Oz with you, and do you say, that's me? Yeah. No? No, they're not into that. Did you get to meet Judy Garland? Did you talk with her? Uh, just barely. Yeah. Not. Judy was only 16 at the time. And I think she was just as excited about all the little people. Carl was even smaller then, weren't you? How big were you back then, Carl? How big? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I couldn't reach the doorknob. That's how small I was. <laughs> Honest to goodness. And so, I must have been about two feet tall if I was that much. Yeah, I was real tiny. And, and how tall are you now? Now four four. Four four. So you've maybe grown a couple of feet there. Yeah, I should say so. <laughs> Why do you think people still enjoy The Wizard of Oz so much? I don't know. I'm always surprised. It's it's such a wonderful show. The whole family can sit down and watch it. No embarrassing words to say. The some of the churches did have a concern about the poppy field. Right. <laughs> but, uh, in 2007, Ruth, Margaret, Carl, Jerry, and the other surviving Munchkin actors were present at the Hollywood Walk of Fame event to honor their work in the film. We finish off now with the Wizard of Oz historian John Fricke, who talks about the film's everlasting appeal. I've always said that the, the picture succeeds and endures because of three components. Frank Baum was a great entertainer as a storyteller and great imagination, those characters, those locations. I mean, he made up Emerald City and Yellowbrook Road and the Poppy Field and Dorothy and all of her companions. And then on to the 13 other books he did, the 26 other people did after he died. But Oz books are entertainment. The only studio in Hollywood history at that point who would have made Wizard of Oz, who would have invested the money and the time uh, and the effort would have been MGM. Nobody else would have put $2.7 million into a musical fantasy in Technicolor in 1938-39. Uh, and MGM, yes, they were in the business of making money, but they were also in the business of entertainment. Uh, Louis B. Mayer believed in that, Mervyn Leroy, the film's producer, believed in that, and Arthur Freed, the lyricist turned associate producer, who then went on to do 20 years of great musicals, was a great entertainer. And then third point, you've got Baum, you've got MGM, and then you've got Judy. And Judy Garland was arguably the single great entertainment communicator uh, uh, of recorded time, because she's the one who pulls people into that story from frame one. Her sincerity, her vulnerability, doesn't matter if you're a little boy or a little girl, you are caught up in her worries and her problems and her hopes and her dreams instantly because there's not a kid out there who doesn't relate to the idea of loving an animal or caring about an animal and then being faced with the idea of the animal being taken away, uh, coming to the point where you might not feel happy at home and feel like you should run away, being lost and having to get home. Uh, by the time we're into Over the Rainbow, everybody is hooked on that story and what's going to happen to this kid and what's going to happen to that dog. And so you go on the journey with her. And then you, it factors down from there. All of those people, there's a, there's a great quote from a Hollywood technician, and I forget the gentleman's name now, but 30 years ago he said, uh, we worked in Hollywood. 
we all worked in Hollywood. Some people worked for other studios. They made good movies. We worked for MGM. We made better ones. Mm -hmm. And there was a great pride, I think, in that. I don't say this now as a fan or as a historian particularly. I say it as somebody who's watched this for decades. There is no movie that has ever been made that is more familiar to more people than this film. The fact that you, for 40 years, increasingly have seen references you can't go a week that it's not in a sitcom, in another film, in an editorial, in an editorial cartoon, in a newscaster's comment, you know, I have a feeling we're not in Pomona anymore, or I'll, I'll get you and your little dog too, or uh, pay no attention to that man behind the sprinkler system. It's all adaptable, and everybody instantly knows the reference. I'm originally from Wisconsin, and I was home two weeks ago, and the state... Uh, football team, the Badgers, uh, had played on Saturday. The Green Bay Packers from uh, were pay playing the Chicago Bears on Sunday. And the headline in the paper, mainstream America paper, uh, the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel on Sunday morning was Badgers and Packers and Bears, oh my. Lions and Tigers and Bears, oh my. And you just know that they did that because they knew everybody would get it. It's like cross-generational, uh, cross field of interest, cross profession, uh, it just doesn't give up. That was Wizard of Oz historian John Fricke. I'm Richard Krauss. Thank you so much for taking a few minutes out of your day to have a look back at 81 years of The Wizard of Oz. We'll talk to you again soon. The Great Oz has spoken.